Welcome to At The Source. Today I'm chatting with Rhiannon Abbott, founder of not one but two businesses, the Epsom Bakehouse and the Purple Loaf. I'm recording from my lounge in my pyjamas and sadly not in Epsom as originally planned, but that's okay because lockdown and the wonders of modern technology have meant that we can carry on regardless. Rhiannon is a former civil servant who quit the day job in 2012 to pursue a career in baking. Now she's a pro baker, teacher, bread angel, more of which later, and mentor for startups and small food businesses that want to optimize their social media and online presence. Welcome, Rhiannon. Thanks so much for having me. Right, I'm going to get straight in with our first question that we ask all of our guests. What is your first memory of food? Well, I actually really struggled to answer this, not because I don't have one, but because I think it's so intertwined with my childhood of um, making food with my family. Um, One that I do get reminded of by my mum is that when I was at playgroup, so I must have been very young, um, we used to make things and bring them home. And my mum had to, um, I think, feign interest in in what we'd made and wanting to taste them so she always tells me about something uh that we'd make peppermint creams which is essentially just icing sugar and water um into a kind of hard dough and then probably a very generous slug of peppermint essence from a toddler's hand um, (laughs) and handing these sticky overly minty treats to your parents and them having to say oh that's lovely dear so um, I think very early on making things that um, hopefully people would enjoy but maybe not those ones um, (laughs) is is part of my first memories of food but it is a really big part of my family life that um, sadly not at the moment with the current um, uh, pandemic crisis but getting together and making food together has always been something that we've done. So um, any big occasion was an excuse to make a spread of food. And I think that's probably my main memories is that um, if if there is a celebration to be had, then we'd have to make some, some lovely food, whether, you know, a, a roast or a cake or something nice to share with people. That, that would be my first kind of memories. Do you remember your first successful bake? Um, yeah, I think the first thing that I would remember being really kind of pleased that had happened was making pastry and my mum the kind of uh, other side of making food to share is that everyone kind of chips in to help and um, my mum said oh um, whilst I'm going out to get some more supplies and uh, I've got to do the food shop can you start making the the mince pie pastry and so that was my first time this huge bowl we used to make it with a huge amount a huge bowl of flour and chopped up butter and just rubbing all the butter into the flour and it feeling like quite a laborious task but quite satisfying as well to make that bread crumb, crumb mix that you make when you're making pastry and bring it all together and chilling it and actually um once my mum came back and um and tried out the pastry it turned out it was quite a success and from then on that was my job was to make pastry because um for some reason it turned out really well when I made it so um, (laughs) I don't feel like I was doing anything different but uh, it was it was nice to know that I'd done that really successfully and I still make those every year now I still make those mince pies every year um for Christmas so uh, yeah that's probably one of my uh, my favorite things to make actually so you actually studied science and worked in local government but do you think that that love of baking was always there did you think that it would ever turn into your career certainly the love was always there yeah I'm always loved making stuff in the kitchen and definitely love baking um no, I don't think it, it felt like it was going to be my career. And I think 
perhaps it just felt like that wasn't um and, and in particular running your own business, it wasn't kind of presented as a, a career option. And that's not to say I wasn't being presented with decent career options. It just perhaps felt like I was on a certain track. So yeah, I, I studied biochemistry at university and loved it. And I still to this day love all the kind of science of baking and the science of bread making. And um, after, after uni, I was ready to get a job and I felt like I was on a kind of certain track. So I went into a graduate scheme um, and went into local government and worked in kind of local government policy and was in that in that uh, arena in the public sector for a good seven or eight years. Um, it does seem like it's not really connected, but actually my my mum and my granddad both worked in local government all their lives. So that was another kind of aspect. I was very aware of the world of local government and um, what councils do and so it, it, it did feel um, kind of natural to go into that world um, and use my skills there. And um, but eventually I moved to um, a job in central London. And after about um, we started to go through staff reorganisations and um, I, I kind of ended up in a role that I didn't recognise at all. And I was quite unhappy. And I think that that led to the start of the process of me thinking, what else am I going to do? And eventually it came to I was um, temping. And um, always baking is a way to kind of relax. And, um, you know, it's just it's it's a really nice way to to share something that you've made with people. And I think people, you know, often appreciate if you've made a, a nice bake. Certainly at the moment, um, just over this weekend, we've uh, from a social distance dropped off um, hot cross buns. And um, we also had birthday in the house this weekend. So birthday cake. And I just it's always just making things that you can share with people. So um, I think whilst I was quite unhappy in my job, I was still baking and, and using that as a way to relax. And um, I left the job and didn't have anything to go to. I was temping. And that's when I came across the Bread Angels. And I think seeing that course, so the Bread Angels um, is an organization that was founded to train people to set up their own um, bread bakery from home. And I came across that organization and uh, it just kind of clicked that um, I could do something for myself. I could work for myself, but also do it around something that I really enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. So I took that course, uh, the Bread Angels course at the end of 2012. And and that's kind of what launched uh, for me a, a bread baking business. Amazing. And in fact, you've answered my next question, which was, um, what is a bread angel? So is that a course that still exists if people are interested in in following the path that you did yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, um, now, what, what are we like seven or eight years down the line? I actually now teach the, the Bread Angels course as well. So people who want to um, start a bread bakery from home can come along and do that course with the bread angels. And, um, when I first did the course, um, it was fairly early on in the, uh, the start of the bread angels, but now bread angels have been going 10 years and there's actually a huge network of us all over the country who, and the kind of aim is to bring good bread into your local community. So you might be setting up from home to bake for your neighbors, um, or you bake for a local shop or, um, you set up maybe a, a market stall and sell bread, um, in, in your local area. So definitely if, uh, people are interested um i i and other red angels still teach that course to this day do you think that your initial background helped you with the the business side of setting up the epson bakehouse because it sounds as though bread angels helps you um with the 
I guess, the bread side, but how about the business side? Yeah, I think um, now I probably did have skills, but at the time it felt all re- really new. Um, for example, when I first started, uh, we uh, I live in Epsom, um, hence the name of my business. And uh, we'd actually only just moved here when I did the Bread Angels course and I was setting up my business. So a lot of what we say when we, you're setting up a, a home bread bakery is to kind of um, talk to your, your existing local network. So maybe you're part of a community group, or obviously you have lots of neighbours that you know well and you can talk to them about what they might like to buy. Well, I didn't have any of that because I didn't really know anyone in the local area. We'd literally lived here about a few months. And um, so I actually started by setting up um, a market store. I I got in touch with the council and had a market Mm -hmm. store in the middle of the um, town centre. And, um, you know, when I'm... um, so if so I could I was happy to also use the technology technology and things like that to set up my own website and social media. So I guess I did bring skills in that perhaps I wasn't quite aware of until I started a business. So there's one thing baking at home for your friends and family, and there's another thing baking enough stock to run a market stall. Was it quite tricky to make that jump, increasing your volumes tenfold? Um I think uh one thing that possibly always happens is that you definitely have a few stressful baking days when you start up a business like that, especially from home, because like you say, you've never used your home kitchen in that way before. And you can plan, but you can't until you you execute, um, you're not going to know. And definitely had a few days where um, you're trying to balance all the different breads and you think, oh, I should make a range of breads because some people like the loaf, some people like focaccia, some people like things with seeds in, some people like things with cheese in, and you start making all these delicious breads, but actually you've got loads of different things to bake and you have a really stressful day. Um, and But I don't want to say that to put people off, but I think it does help you realise um, that you're not going to be able to do it the same way that you would when you bake for your friends um and you have to start putting that business mind on but it does come with with practice definitely so a good few stressful tries but then you think what's popular you talk to your um customers and you talk to people that come into contact with you um at your stall and say what do people like what sold well and how can i focus on those um those lines and streamline them and i think having that customer feedback really helps um also um in terms of how i baked um i moved to, to baking all sourdough loaves and given the long rise times in sourdough bread mm. um it gave me a lot more flexibility and so i was able to split up my baking day so that i wasn't having to do all of it from mixing the dough to baking in one day so just being able to plan a bit more and I ran um I had either a market store and then I got a um a a place on our local farmer's market and I did that for about 18 months and yeah by the end I definitely had a good process going that that meant I wasn't um spending hours and hours and very stressful times in the in the kitchen um and also I could produce, say, 30 to 40 loaves in my home kitchen on in one go for the for the market. But, um, yeah, I definitely think it, it takes some time to get used to how that works. And um, I don't want to put anyone off because if people are thinking, gosh, that sounds awful. How am I ever going to get over that hurdle? I think when I'm talking to people who are starting up their bread bakery now, I say, you know, start by baking five loaves, then then bake like seven, you know, build it up yeah. and, um, and think build about your capacity. Um, and actually in, an, in, a, in a home kitchen, the limiting factor is actually off in the oven because if you've got I I only had a a normal 
kitchen oven that most people I'm sure have at home, um, I could probably get four sourdough loaves in it. So I had to really think about the process of getting bread through the oven. So you actually had to be really organised in order to be able to have enough stock to sell at your store. Absolutely, definitely. And from that time, do you have a a favourite type of bread to bake? And I guess also a least favourite bread to bake? Um, my favourite, I mean, my my favourite bread anyway to bake is kind of a, a, a malted loaf. So I love using a malted flour with, with uh, and I mix it in with white bread flour um, and um, possibly put some seeds in it. So that's a really nice um, flavour for me. So, um, and that was, uh, and that kind of seeded loaf was always quite popular when I was selling. And um, yeah, it's definitely one of my favourites. Do I have a least favourite? I don't know. Um, well, we both know all bread is fantastic, so... <laughs> Yeah, I know. I don't think, I think um, my least favourite, it wasn't really any bread, but obviously whenever it, I mean, there, there inevitably are going to be times when a bake doesn't quite work out. And um, I think, you, again, you have to kind of learn to move on from that. And I uh, think, I think generally when you're baking bread, it is one big experiment and sometimes it doesn't work. So that's something you learn as well to move on. <laughs> yeah. I think that applies to many different areas of life. Yes. <laughs> um, talking of moving on, so so after running your your market stalls, you uh, decided to move into online bread making classes. Mm-hmm. What was the catalyst for making that change? So, uh, well, um, a, part, a second part of the Bread Angels is as well as uh, baking bread for your local community, it's also um, if you want to, you can start teaching bread making classes. And I definitely wanted to try doing that. And um, when I look back as well, because I, as you can tell from my previous career, I hadn't taught anything specifically, but um, I, I worked with other Bread Angels to shadow their classes and you know, learn a bit more about teaching bread making and also as a collective in Bread Angels, we go on kind of what I guess you could call professional development, but go to other um, bakery tutors and, and schools and as, as a group and, and learn more about bread making. So that was all very helpful. But at the start of 2014, um, I'd actually um, by this point started to build up my own networks. And through a local um, shop that was running cake making classes, I, I offered to say, oh, could I do a bread making mm-hmm. class with you? And so I started teaching bread making. And I just remember at the end of the first class thinking how amazing that was. I, I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it. And I just loved watching my students take their fresh loaves of bread out of the oven. And they were also amazed at what they baked. Mm-hmm. And it was just wonderful to be able to teach someone how to do that and to do it successfully. So I think that was then I got the bug for teaching uh, the bread making and um, I absolutely loved it. And I started with an introduction to bread making class. So at the start, my classes are all in person and I still, obviously at the moment, I can't teach them in person um, because of the pandemic. But um, yeah, up until early March, I was teaching introduction to bread making, sourdough bread making, Italian breads, artisan breads, a whole range of classes that I've developed over the last six years. Um, I just really enjoy doing it. And after I had my first child in 2015, um, I decided just to focus on the teaching because doing the bake days and and market stalls and selling bread um, was very difficult to fit Mm -hmm. around, but I could fit the, the teaching around Um, my children so um, yeah I just uh, I started the classes that way and that was the kind of catalyst to focusing just on the classes. It's actually quite fortuitous I guess is not quite the right word but the fact that because you teach a lot of stuff online you've been able to carry on during the the lockdown and I just wondered if with the people that are watching your online tutorials and learning to bake bread with you 
do you know if if your students have changed? Is there are there different type of people wanting to bake now, or do you think that it's more the same? I guess. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, as like you say, I've always um, taught online, and I think. I think perhaps there's just more people who are having time to give it a go. And I I hope in a way it kind of has changed. I hope lots of people get to give it a go. And if they find me on social media or my website, yeah, I do have um, kind of a a third part of my business, I guess, is that I've built up a whole lot of online resources for people who want to start baking bread. And I definitely think more people are finding that now because they're wanting to start baking bread. Um, but um, has it changed? I think it's, it's always been um, people who are just really interested in making, you know, making and baking food and often they've done quite a few classes and they come and find out and um currently the classes I'm running online that I've started I've, I've definitely changed how I teach them um in, in the current climate so previously you would come to me and do like a four hour plus class um and during that time we'd make a whole range of breads and sit down and have lunch together and um it's very sociable um but obviously not being able to do that I'm just running very short classes so hopefully that as well has opened it up to people who perhaps want to just learn one type of bread or they they just want to get started mm-hmm. and and maybe just one bread and then move on next so it's it's almost like dipping their toe in the water so I think it has hopefully opened it up to more people because that would be great for me because I just think I, I really love te- teaching people to bake bread and I think it's such a great skill to have I would say that but <laughs> but um I think uh, they if people can enjoy it more and I can help them do that then that's great It definitely seems like more people are baking at the moment. You know, obviously there's been on the news about flour shortages. Mm -hmm. And if you go on Twitter, all you can see is various people tweeting pictures of their healthy and not so healthy sourdough starters that they've set up. And I, I love the idea that more people are cooking at the moment and more people are having a go at things like maybe like pasta or bread or cakes that in usual time, they would just go and buy something in a plastic bag from the supermarket. Mm -hmm. It's, I hope that more people, and I certainly will share your um, links, but I hope that more people do this. And then when we do come out of lockdown, we go back to normal, they carry on because having freshly baked bread, and I'm sure that the bread that we make at home is is nowhere near as good as yours, but it's such a lovely thing. You know, Marmite and salted butter on freshly baked <laughs> sourdough is the absolute best. It's the best. <laughs> right, what's next? I'm just looking at my list. I've not got my glasses on, so I've got it kind of like zoomed in. Um, okay, I want to come on to talking about the purple loaf, but before we do that, As a marketer myself, I thought it would be quite interesting to explore the content angle of your business. So you you bake bread and you teach, but you also Mm. develop a lot of content, some of which we just touched on. As a marketing manager myself in my day job, I always find it quite interesting to talk to people who've set up their own businesses about the content and the marketing side of what they do. You produce a lot of content and I imagine that that must be quite time consuming. How did you decide what you would cover and did it take you a while to get used to being in front of the camera? I really love producing the content uh, online for my business. Uh, I think it goes back to when I started, uh, um, I didn't know anyone in the local area. And so being online was a really great way 
to get in touch with people and to have that kind of virtual shop front for my business because I didn't have anywhere physical that people would walk past and find out about me. So I had to learn a different way to advertise and market my business. And so from the very beginning, I set up um, my own website and I set up all my social media. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Um, never used any of that in a, um, a business marketing sense. So that has been another learning curve for me in my business. And I've made sure I've taken um, courses um, to, to learn how to use it. But you do just get used to um, d- developing your own voice online and um, and developing a community of, of people around your business. Um, so I, but I've always enjoyed um, producing um, content that's like supported my business and supported people who are getting in contact with me. Because once you start talking to people online about whatever your business is about, you find you get asked similar questions um, all the time. And obviously about bread baking, I get common questions that I get asked. So I can, I can kind of go and produce that content. Um, Mm -hmm. It it is time consuming, but also the more you do it, the quicker it gets. Um, so it become you become practiced at it, and also I I know now that I can um, repurpose content. So um, if I do a Facebook video, a live video, I can uh, I can also turn that into a blog on my website, um, and people will find it in different ways. Um, so I'm I'm not really copying, but I'm just putting it in different mm-hmm. places because I know that people online find me in different places. Um, it did, how, how long does it take me to get comfortable in front of a camera? Um, I think it's I'm I'm kind of have a benefit there of doing the classes so those are four hours and more long and that is me standing up in front of people and talking for that long um backwards and forwards so I think it's helped that when I'm doing lives or any other video I just think about um the people I talk to in classes or whoever people who get in contact with me to learn about bread baking and I just imagine I'm talking to those to people who are asking me the question. So if you can visualize someone and imagine you're having that conversation with them, um, it, mm-hmm. it definitely though, I think there is that thing about, you know, your first hundred lives are practice. Um, I don't know if it took a hundred, but certainly the first time, few times I did it, you kind of have to take it out of your mind that people are actually watching. Um, I try to like, just believe that no one watches. And when people say, oh, I saw your video yeah. on whatever, about how to knead bread or something like that. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> don't tell me you watched it. I just try not to think about that. But yeah. you know, actually at the end of the day, it, it yeah. helps people find me and it helps people get to know me because they see my face, they hear my voice and, um, you know, obviously they might, you know, a lot of people now, obviously people I'm teaching online, they've never met me in person. Um, but, um, but they can still get to know me because they can see me. So I think if you're considering doing that for your business, then please do, because it really does help you get out there and and widen your audience. That whole personal connection thing is so important, isn't it? With small and medium businesses. I find that, um, if you go onto a business's website and there's not any information about the person behind it, or perhaps you can't see their face or their name, it does make you wonder whether that is um, a kind of independent organization and a, and a small setup, because that's the type of company that I prefer to go to. And I, I totally agree with you. I, I still find it funny when people 
send me a tweet or comment and say that they've listened to the podcast because I just assume it's still my mum and my friends at this point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but it's having that having that personality because the Epsom Bakehouse is is Rhiannon, you know, and um yeah. I think it's great. I've I've not managed to get my face anywhere just yet. I I try and avoid it, but at least everybody can listen to me waffling on instead. Um <laughs> So as well as setting up all this content for yourself and training yourself and learning how to do it, you also offer uh, mentoring for similar startup food businesses. How did you start on that path? Um, at what point did you think, right, you know what, I can help others with this? Well, yeah, I think it stemmed from um, obviously teaching others to set up their own home bread bakery. So part of that when we do the the bread angels course and I'm, I'm teaching someone who wants to become a bread angel um part of that is obviously how to market your new business and uh, there is there are plenty of offline and online ways to do that so um and but nowadays especially i think the online is becoming so important mm-hmm. and um it can seem um overwhelming and I know I certainly when I first started I definitely wasn't doing what I'm doing now I, I learned as I went along and um, I was getting questions from other people in my network saying oh how did you do that online or how did you set up that um, I don't know that um, how did you grow that audience or how did you just do that one small thing on Instagram things like that so I felt like there was a bit of a niche there to help other startup food business owners who are looking to start online and um, and so that's a uh, on top of helping people set up their own home bread bakery business, I also um, coach and support um, businesses who want to learn more about getting themselves online. And I think at the moment, that's just really crucial. I think the benefit for me of having grown that online community around my business over the last, say, five or six years has been that um, I can still communicate with a whole audience of people. And that can just be to say, how are you doing? And how can I help you? And if you're learning to break bread at home, how can I help you with resources? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have plenty of resources that I can send people and they can tune into um, totally free, obviously, on, on social media and on my on my website. Um, and that just um, helps helps for me if I want to teach bread making helps me um communicate with my audience and I just think if I can help other businesses do that and to to grow an audience around their business online then they can perhaps start to grow the people the number of people they sell to as well Mm -hmm. so I just thought that was a a good service to offer people and uh and uh people have taken advantage uh, you know taken me up on that to to start to learn to promote their own business online just imagine that I'm setting up my first food business is there a a magic piece of first advice that you would give me? I would definitely say uh, test your idea first and make sure you've got a market for it because I think we quite have a quite a benefit with food. It's It can seem like a harsh test, but at the, at the end of the day, if you set up a, a little test and say, do you like what I've made? The response is going to be instant because you're going to see if people want to eat it. And I would, so I would definitely say you need to know that there's a market for your for your particular product. Um, and I think in the food market now, um, there's plenty of opportunity to kind of niche, um, you know, f- for example, um, foods for specific diets or specific tastes or specific, um, um, you know, cuisines and things like that. So, but definitely test your idea out and make sure you've got a market for it. And that is, is going beyond your family and friends and perhaps doing tastings. Um, again, completely not possible in the current climate where you can't do anything publicly but 
um, yes, I did a market stall for my first one. And I was at the point there where I had registered as a food business and set up a market stall, but I hadn't taken too much of a leap. Um, but my first market stall, I sold about 70% of what I baked. And I think I knew then that people were really interested in buying fresh bread mm -hmm. and that there was an interest in it. So it, it helped me decide that I'm going to carry on doing that idea. I would certainly say if you're going to set up a food business or any business really that make sure you've you've tested what you're going to sell and there is actually someone who's willing to buy it and don't get too far down the line until you know that. I guess as well it's that idea of people paying money for it because I imagine that if I baked a cake um, I mean, I'm not a fantastic baker myself, but if I baked a cake and gave it out for free, people would probably say, oh, yeah, that's delicious. I definitely would have that. But is there an element of needing to actually exchange money to also test that? people would go ahead and spend on it in the future. Yes, absolutely. And um, yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Um, you need people to invest. They need to have, uh, you know, something in, 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 in it so that they, they kind of are taking more of an interest, more than just a passing interest in it. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And handing out uh, free tasters will everyone will queue up <laughs> probably to have one of those. You know, we've probably all seen in London when you can commute the people handing out free samples, they're very popular in mm -hmm. the morning at a central London train station. Um, so yeah, um, setting up, um, but when you set up a, a food business, you know, um, obviously you have to um, register with your local council and get approval for selling. Um, but beyond that, you might just then want to, um, to, as you say, do some test bakes and, and actually sell them to people um, to see what the, the response is and, and get some feedback on that. So I guess... I just very quickly, before we come to an end, want to talk to you a little bit about baking, because we've ended up having quite a business oriented discussion, which I personally <laughs> think is fascinating. But I know that, that our listeners out there will want to know more about cakes and bread. So we mentioned earlier that there are more people with more time to bake at the moment. A lot of people are furloughed. A lot of people are spending a lot more time at home. So you've never baked bread before in your life. What should you start with? What would be the first loaf of bread that you should make? So if, if you've never baked bread before, um, firstly, I'd say go for it. But do start with uh, a couple of perhaps easy, easy wins if you want. I would start with um, flatbreads and um, also uh, soda bread. Um, both of those can be really delicious, but they're really simple mix and bake. So um, done both of them. I've been doing live bake-alongs on my Facebook page. So um, and done both of them and had really great feedback from people who are just joining in. And flatbreads you can make with just um, self-raising flour, or you can have plain flour and a, a teaspoon of uh, baking powder and an equal amount of um, natural yogurt and just mix it together um, until you make a dough and roll it out, divide it up into, I, I would make one about the size of my palm. And then you just fry them with a, this tiny rub of oil on each side of the flatbread. And they're really delicious and a really great way to create a quick, simple flatbread that can go with loads of stuff, a salad, curry, um, pasta dish, anything. And uh, so try that one and also a soda bread. So, um, bread flour for that um, and obviously the rosing agent is bicarbonate of soda and again you can add a mixture of yogurt and milk or sour your milk with a bit of vinegar um, to make up the dough um, uh, or you can use buttermilk if you can get hold of it um, so two really really um, delicious breads and both of those you can add lots of flavors into 
Um, so grated cheese, spices, herbs, um, and in the soda bread, you could put seeds or nuts in. Mm. Um, but if you're um, then going to move on to use, making yeast of breads, um, I would say a couple of tips. First of when you start with the recipe, use it as a guide. So um, not as an absolute. So just remember that yeast um, is a living organism and it will change how it rises your bread depending on a couple of factors so how much yeast you put in and also definitely the temperature will play a part so um, as we're recording this we've just had three glorious days of sunshine down here in the south of England and it's been really warm but today it's much colder and so your bread will rise more slowly when it's in cooler weather um, if the if the dough is cooler so uh, lots of time um, I think one thing I would say is it's tempting to try and, try and rush through it. And especially if you've always baked um, cakes and pastry and stuff like that, it's all stuff that once you start, you see it right through to the end. Um, you don't like mix a cake batter and then normally you wouldn't just go off and leave it mm -hmm. and come back and bake it later. So with bread, it's about giving it lots of time. Um, and maybe even once you've kneaded the dough, a couple of hours to let it rise gives lots of flavor um, and really helps the yeast fill out the dough and digest down that flour. Um, and then you can shape it and let it rise again. So give yourself lots of time, but it does mean you can go off and do other things while you're letting your dough rise. Um, and make sure you get a great bake on your loaf. So um, popping it in a really hot oven, using a bit of steam to help it rise again in the oven as well. I think people forget at the end is just to get a really good bake. It's a much hotter temperature than you would bake a cake at. So get that crust formation going. Um, and um, hopefully you'll turn out a really lovely loaf of bread at the end. So when you say about the steam, that's I've seen when people kind of open their oven door and chuck a bit of water in. Is, is that what mm -hmm. you mean? Or is there a, a better way of doing it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a, a tray at the bottom of my oven and um, I um, I just have it in there the whole time. It's an old baking tray. So it heats up when I heat up the oven. And um, then, yes, yeah, so once I've heated up the oven, when I put, the, put my bread in, whichever I want to bake, and then I just pour a cup of water very carefully into the tray at the bottom. And obviously it's heated at that point to about 220 degrees. So it, it pretty much turns to steam instantly. You have to shut the door pretty quickly to <laughs> stop yourself having a facial. Um, but, um, but, and it, it's, it's not entirely effective. I mean, you probably won't trap that much steam, but it does help your, your loaf rise and your crust crust form on your loaf. So it's worth doing if you can. Um, the other two things I just mentioned, the first breads that I mentioned there as well is, is easy to make without yeast. I mean, obviously I didn't mention yeast in those two. And I think that's been something that people have found hard to get hold of. And certainly I haven't seen any, any when I went to the supermarket last week. So again, it's just being able to bake some bread without yeast and also using different types of flour. So if you're, if you've not got bread flour or you've, you've only got plain flour, you've not got plain flour, you've got bread flour, you've got some options there mm -hmm. to mix mm -hmm. around. Amazing. Final question. What is your very favouritest bread to eat? Oh, my favourite bread to eat. Well, uh, luckily this has been my weekend because I'm a complete chocoholic. So if I was going to make something that I really wanted to eat, it would be something like a chocolate babka. Oh, amazing. <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> so um, if, if, if you've not had one before, you basically make a sweet dough um, and then uh, you... Um, pat it out once it's risen you pat it out into a rectangle and cover it with a a, a sweet chocolate uh, basically like a chocolate paste um, chocolate you've melted down chocolate sugar and butter um, and then you roll it up and then you've got a big rolled up sausage um, and then you cut it in half down the length and then you plat it together so it makes a really pretty marbled shape um, of chocolate and sweet dough and I could just go and eat that right now that sounds amazing 
I think if you could post me one to Bristol, that would be fantastic. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Great. Oh, thank you so much, Rhiannon, for joining me this morning. Um, I'm going to let you get back to your kids and to your Easter Monday now, but it's been absolutely fascinating to hear about your business and how you've grown it from kind of starting by making bread in your own kitchen through to running this really successful online business and mentoring others. So I will share some pictures and some links to the Bread Angels course and obviously Rhiannon's content as well. Um, And yeah, I think that's about all we've got time for. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really lovely to come on and chat with you today. Yeah, it has. It's been fab. If you enjoyed this episode, you will probably enjoy listening to some of our others. And as this is my hobby, I urge you to pop over to patreon.com and maybe consider donating a couple of dollars a month to go towards my travel expenses and improving my equipment. 